Episode 47, the Photon Podcast. We're going to learn all about scanners. For real, we're going to learn everything there is to know about the scanning hobby coming up. MTCRadio.com presents Photon, the other ham radio podcast. Found online at photonepodcast.com. Now, here's your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. So it is episode 47. I am Kale, your host, K4CDN. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Other Ham Radio Podcast. That's kind of the nickname of the show because the name of the show is just so bad. I mean, it's awful. Ugh! Sorry. I'm working on it, all right? I'm working on it. But anyway, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you hanging out with us every other week. Been doing it almost two years now, which is kind of exciting. You think about it, uh, we're approaching that anniversary, and we're going to celebrate it pretty big. I hope so. We'll just have to see how that all plays out. But until then, we've got forty six shows. This will be forty seven in the can, and we so dig you being here with us. Uh, like I said, my name's Kale K four CDN. I'm in South Carolina. If you don't live in South Carolina or the Deep South, you probably just figured that out about the third syllable I said a while ago. But anyway. This, this podcast is for those who are interested in the hobby, those who are coming into the hobby, new operators, new general class licensees, new technicians, maybe somebody coming back to the hobby for an extended time away. You might have been licensed and operate CW for the last 63 years in your shack. We'll take you. All right, because you've got something to share with the community here at Photime. We can learn from you, and we appreciate you being a part of what we're doing here. All right, so we have uh, listeners who are the best listeners on the face of the planet. We're going to talk about some of them in just a little bit. And we also have some great show sponsors coming on before day one. Main Trading Company, mtcradio.com. They carry what you need. They have it at the prices you want to pay. And, and if you're shopping online, mtcradio.com, and you see something you want, you see another store, may have something a little less expensive or whatnot, don't disregard MTC. Call them. Call Richard. Call Danielle. Call Tammy. They will price match to the best of their ability and make it worth your while to do business with one of the absolute best shops in America. mtcradio.com. <laughs> This portion of the Photon Podcast is brought to you by ICOM America and their IC718 HF rig with built-in factory DSP. This is a great starter rig. You're just getting into the hobby. You've just got your general class license. Maybe you need a backup rig for your shack. Maybe you want to put something in a box to make it uh, portable. It's a great place to start, man. It may not be the smallest rig, but it's not the biggest one either, and it works great. And the best part about it for me personally it's stupid simple to use. You got to check it out. The ICOM IC718 right now on sale at mtcradio.com under $600. Find the 718 at mtcradio.com. Thanks, Kale. Well, folks, this week we are following up on a conversation we started all the way back in episode 38, and we're connecting it to a conversation we had all the way back in episode 40. Our guest today is Kevin Thornton, Kilo 5, Kilo Victor November. You might remember him back from the Noise Blankers episode. Kevin, how are you? Hey, doing well, Jeremy. How are you? I am uh, good. I have to tell you, so this morning, my day started with uh, a trip to a chain breakfast buffet place, but unfortunately, it was not Golden Corral. Oh, you're not doing it right. No, no, I was not. (laughs) We were at a a place called uh, Ryan's Steakhouse, and and it doesn't even remotely hold a candle to the corral. 
Oh, that's funny. Of course, we refer to the joke that all ham radio club, you know, meetings are at the buffet at Golden Corral. Ha 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 ha. Right. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny about that. My mom actually works for Golden Corral as a fundraiser. Well, you know, uh, if 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 Golden Corral is looking for uh, uh, some sponsorship opportunities, point them my way. <laughs> <laughs> Although now I'm starting to think that maybe we should contact them and start having a segment sponsored by Golden Corral. You you know, it'd be right in their demographic. Ham radio operators are perfectly in their demographic, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, today we are, uh, we're here to not just talk about Golden Corral, but episode 38, if you haven't listened to it, was all about listening. You know, ham radio is about two-way communications, but uh, we have a lot of listeners that just listen, either uh, using shortwave radios or maybe using ham equipment to receive. Um, but primarily, uh, you know, we, we covered... Pretty much all of the spectrum that's usable. And when I found out Kevin's background and how he got his start in amateur radio by being a scanner, uh, I'll call you a scanner operator. That makes it sound Mm -hmm. more tactical. There you go. Um, (laughs) But basically... uh, Kale and I had the idea. It's like we got to get back on with these with these guys and and talk about scanning because scanning is such a huge topic in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, so basically from a spectrum perspective, when you're looking at the market, that kind of covers everything from about 25 megahertz to about 1.3 giga or megahertz or sorry, 1.3 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. No, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got it. Gigahertz. Um, so Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background with scanning? Yeah, sure. And I, I think, you know, a lot of ham radio operators have a, probably have a similar background. It may not be truly with scanners, but I think a lot of uh, at least the radio operators that I know had a got their start listening in some capacity. And for me, I was uh, I was uh, listening one day to one of those AM FM shortwave radios that they used to make back in the 70s. My dad had one and um, I was listening and, uh, you know, tuning the old analog dial and I I came across some guys who were talking about the weather, and they kept referring to themselves with letters and numbers. And I asked my dad, "What? Are, what? Are, who are these guys? And why are they talking all these letters and numbers?" And and he said, "Oh, those are ham radio operators, and that's their call sign. They're referring to each other with their call sign." I said, "Well, I want to do that. That's cool." <laughs> and so that's how I got started into ham radio. The next step, though, was I want to hear more of this. How can I do that? And well, he took me to the radio shack. In Little Rock, where I grew up, uh, the Radio Shack at uh, Baseline and Geyer Springs, I still remember it to this day, I saved up enough money to uh, to get a scanner, and it was a Pro 2006 uh, scanner that is still in service uh, today. It's sitting right here in front of me. And um, so I started listening to the scanner, hearing more and more of these guys talking about the weather with their letters and their numbers, and uh, eventually got my ham radio license out of that. But scanning has never left, never left the hobby for me. It's been uh, been part of it since day one and uh, I still I enjoy it as much today as I did when I started um, gosh I would have been probably 14 years old when I got this scanner this Pro 2006 and so that would have been gosh the um, 1990 something like that maybe wow Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting to uh, hear you say that you still have that scanner in service because mm-hmm. scanning has changed radically over yeah. the last 10 15 years. Mm-hmm. It um and and it's it's um 
its ability to uh, to listen to things has changed a lot. Um, and in fact, I have it dedicated just to a couple of um, couple of categories. I guess I'll call them in the scanner hobby. Um, you know, it used to I could hear everything on that scanner, and um, I could hear. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I could not hear my neighbor's cordless phone. No, I could not. I could not hear that. Okay, nod, nod, wink, wink. But <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, literally, you know, you could hear cordless phones down at 46 megahertz yep and and 49 megahertz on this thing and um and 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 you could hear police and you could hear uh i could hear uh little rock police departments um i even was was able to hear them when they switched to 800 megahertz analog i could still hear them you know i could hear airline pilots uh, i could hear military air conversations and you could just hear everything on that scanner back then but you know with the move to digital these old-timey uh, analog scanners have a more narrow and narrow function. And so I've dedicated this Pro 2006 to military air uh, listening. That's its its sole job. Um, well, I say military, military and civilian air. That's its sole job. Um, and and a lot of the a lot of the guys that are listening who who own the Pro two thousand six know just how good it is uh, on that VHF AM. It has really good ears, um, and so it's it's like it was made for that band. And so it, it serves me well in that capacity. But that's about you know all I can hear these days, at least in my area. Well, before we jump down the uh, the road of equipment too far, because you know we we always like to talk about gear and rigs and knobs. Yeah, you know, like I said, you have twenty five megahertz to one point three gigahertz. That's an awful lot of spectrum. What what are the types of things that a person um, is generally going to be able to listen to on a scanner between those two frequencies? Well, and I should preface this by saying it depends on where you are because, you know, as you mentioned, the switch to analog to digital is happening. In some places, it's happening faster than others, and that will determine what you can pick up these days. Um, you know, if, it, if they've gone digital, doesn't necessarily mean that you cannot hear them. There are scanners on the market that can pick up those digital signals. Um, so I just want to preface that, you know, that it depends on where you are and what the agencies in your area are doing with their their radio equipment. So, you know, that said, you know, in that frequency range, um, you can hear everything from low band VHF military communications, which, by the way, can be an excellent indicator of propagation conditions. So, you know, propagation is not just for the ham radio operators, right? You can turn on your scanner and and tune it down to some of the lowest frequencies it can receive and um, and see what you're hearing and, and get a pretty good idea of what propagation is doing. As an example, I can hear some of the Army uh, ranges out uh, in, the, in, in the western part of the U.S. I'm in northwest Arkansas. Arkansas. And uh, I can tune down to around 40, 41 megahertz sometimes and just let it search. And uh, when I start picking up signals, it's usually from out west and it's some of those military bomber ranges. And uh, uh, that gives me an indication that, hey, propagation is uh, is pretty good on low band VHF. Uh, so I might want to turn on 10 meters, for example, and work some 10 meters on ham radio. So way down on the low end, you can still hear some military stuff uh, in the clear and analog. Uh, of course, you can hear um, airplanes. You can hear air traffic control. You can hear the pilots themselves um, as we kind of move up the spectrum. Um, you can hear military air communications as well. So I, in northwest Arkansas, there is actually a, a, a refueling track that runs right over northwest Arkansas. And 
almost, you know, every day I can hear the KC-35 or KC-135 tankers uh, orbiting and fueling uh, various planes. And, um, you know, if you know those frequencies, you can hear that, too. Um, So there are still a lot of police and fire departments, particularly in small towns or rural areas that are using um, analog um, simplex systems, for lack of a better term, and you can hear that as well. Um, so if you're you're in a you know if you're not in a big city, you can probably hear your police department, your volunteer fire department, and ambulances making their runs. But it's going to depend on where you live. Kind of taking it back to where where I started, it's going to depend on on what your situation is with your your agencies uh, in your area. So it, a lot of it's going to take. You might have to do a little bit of research. You know, to figure out exactly what you're going to be able to be able to pick up in your region. Well, and of course, there's a you've already covered such a wide amount of content. There's there's a lot of other stuff that's out there to listen to. And uh, we won't deep dive into it yet, because one of the questions people are going to ask is, how do I find where stuff is? And, Ah, you know, there's the, the confusion of is it analog? Is it digital? Is it trunking? Is it, you know, Mm -hmm. encrypted? Um there's a lot of these things that uh, they really go into this. And I, you know, I'll tell you myself is uh, when I was young, I like you had a, a little analog radio shack uh, scanner. It's funny. You mentioned listening to cordless phones because uh, <laughs> my parents figured out that they could listen to me and my brothers on the phone. when oh. uh, they thought we were getting yeah. in trouble with my little scanner. Um, <laughs> But so, you know, when everything went from analog to trunking, I kind of got out of it because I was like, that's complicated and I'm getting busy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I myself kind of got back into the scanning hobby uh, here in the last few years because companies uh, such as Whistler and Uniden have done some work to make scanning a lot more approachable. Of course, Mm -hmm. uh, we have to understand the complexities of why the digital area era of scanning is difficult, which we'll cover uh, a little bit more in the next segment. Um, but yeah, it, it is a, uh, it is a pretty exciting hobby. And when I lived in DC, it was actually a very useful tool as well. Yes. I, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up because as I was thinking before, before our conversation about the ways that I use my scanner, utility is exactly the word that I came up with. It is a tool for me, um, whether, whether I'm in traffic and uh, all of a sudden the interstate comes to a stop, I want to turn on the scanner and kind of hear what's going on. I can hear about the accident that's three exits ahead of me and maybe I want to get off on the next exit to avoid all that mess or, you know, or here's an example. When I have friends coming into town, of course, this is showing my true geekdom. When I have friends who are coming into town and they're going to uh, use the the uh, regional airport here in northwest Arkansas, I'll go park in the parking lot and turn on the tower and make sure that their plane is is on time before I even go up to the to the terminal. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I can hear their plane land. I say, hey, tell me your tell me your flight number, you know, uh, and I'll know their flight number ahead of time and I'll just hear it coming in. So uh, that's another way you can you can actually, you know, have a, a, a use, a utility, as we're calling it here for for the scanning hobby. No, it um, it's interesting because it, it in some ways between being able to listen to public safety, uh, I myself like you, uh, when my wife was traveling, I would sit in the cell lot and listen for what was happening with the plane, and she would almost you know she when she would call to say okay, I'd be like I know, <laughs> I'm, ar- I'm yeah, already right. on my way, I'm already on my way to come get you, <laughs> but. It, the scanner is uh, kind of a tool that gives you a little bit of like a 360 degree view of, of what's going on around you for, you know, it, it really is a tool that gives you um, 
a lot of utility through providing situational awareness of things in and around you and your community. Um, and it also can provide some enjoyment when there's uh, some dramatic things going on. Sure. So when we get back from the break, we're really going to break it down to try to understand this analog versus digital thing and LTR and EDAX and APCO Project 25 and, uh, you know, all these different things uh, when we come back. This is Jeremy KF7IJZ with Kevin K5KVN. Getting really excited, and it doesn't help when Tim from BridgecomSystems.com calls and says, Hey, man, your radio's almost ready to ship. We're waiting for type acceptance stickers to place on the radio to put it in the box and put the box in the mail to you. That's how close they are. If you've pre-ordered yours, you're good to go. Do you know that you can pre-order? Maybe not. Check out BridgecomSystems.com. It's a 30-watt mobile 220 megahertz radio, and it's coming soon. BridgecomSystems.com. All right, and we're back. Jeremy KF7IJZ with Kevin K5KVN. You must uh, have lucked out to be able to get that. I'm assuming that's a vanity. <laughs> it is a vanity, and I could not believe that it was available when I got it about 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, I was first licensed as uh, KC5LDC back in 1994, and uh, I had that one for about 10 years or so. And then uh, I said, I don't think maybe I can get me a vanity. Couldn't believe it was available. <laughs> all right we are talking all things scanning and uh during this segment i really want to kind of get into a little bit about analog versus digital and of course as we referenced in the the previous segment uh everything used to be analog and as time has marched on things have gotten digital and with digital radio systems comes more complexity of having to understand how to program them it's not as easy as just putting a frequency in anymore right that's right. It's not. Um, and and thank goodness with the uh, the advent of some of the, the newer scanners have come along some new software to help 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 uh, program these things. And but no one should let that be a barrier to entry of the hobby, because there are a lot of software packages out there free and paid that can help you program the scanner for uh, what you need in your area. Now, everybody's situation is going to be different depending on where you live because, you know, an agency in Atlanta is going to have a different setup than an agency in Las Vegas. Um, you know, you're going to need to do a little bit of research, but the software will help you. The software is your friend. Now, I know some guys, though, and, and Jeremy, you may be one of these guys who likes to program it manually anyway. Are you one of those guys? <laughs> uh, not for a scanner, no, because I still... <laughs> There's a lot more terms involved. There's a lot more. Um, yeah, y you get very intimately familiar with how Motorola does things for these systems if you try to program them manually. That's exactly right. And it's really interesting when you start digging into how some of these newer scanners work. It's almost like you know Uniden or Whistler or or you know pick a pick a brand kind of reverse engineered the system because you have to like put all the pieces together in in programming your scanner to make it uh, jive with the system. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about digital, there's, there's uh, all different kinds of protocols. And each one of those protocols has, you know, different layers of technology that make it work. Um, but with, with software, it's so much easier, so much easier, thank goodness. So if we, without getting into brand A versus brand B, at the very low end of the entry are analog scanners and... Those are still available today, like you were talking yeah. about your Pro 2006. Mm -hmm. um, 
if you know legitimately like you mentioned it depends on where you live as far as whether or not how or how useful that's going to be um air traffic as you mentioned which is what 109 to 130 ish megahertz yeah. mm-hmm. am am right. mm-hmm. one of the few uh, am modes out there overall yeah. mm-hmm. um that's going to remain analog what else what else am i for sure going to find analog weather stations weather stations are still for sure going to be analog absolutely the NOAA weather radio stations at 162 megahertz are, are going to be analog um, you mentioned commercial airline military air communications will be analog as well uh, because they they're basically operating on the same concept as civilian airline um, so they need that AM analog mode um, let's see yeah you mentioned NOAA weather um, hams obviously yeah, although you know we're starting to see some digital uh, digital work, not so much on VHF or UHF, but but there are some digital repeaters coming online. Uh, Yesu has a really uh, affordable solution uh, for ham radio uh, digital repeaters. Uh, but most, you're right, most of the amateur radio work on VHF and UHF is is still analog today. Um, and then again, you know your mileage may vary based on your local police department or or fire department. They may still be analog. Analog um, as well. As an example, uh, in the uh, national capital region, and I, I don't know if this is still the case, um, but the uh, the metro, the the trains, the buses, um, mm-hmm. some of that communication was still analog in the clear, while a lot of it had moved over to these digital systems. Mm-hmm. So, an analog scanner isn't completely useless, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, you can still get a lot of use out of an analog scanner. And hey, they're cheap. I mean, they're cheap, uh, especially some of the smaller handheld versions. You can get one for less than 100 bucks um, on most days and uh, cheaper than that when they're on sale. So, you know, you mentioned the rail. I, I think maybe even railroads, I think they may be mandated to be analog as well. Maybe. I'm not sure. We'd have to look that up. But, you know, they've got a section of... Uh, uh, frequencies that they use that's just railroads um, and I think those may be analog you know you just mentioned uh, a handheld scanner and that's actually something shame on me I, I got ahead of ourselves started talking about analog versus digital but from a, a form factor perspective pretty much scanners it seems like come in either handheld or what I guess you could call a base or Mobile. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? What you might normally find in a handheld versus a base? Yeah, sure. Um, for mo- for the most part, the guts inside of a mobile or a handheld are going to be the same. Uh, the exception may be the size of the speaker. Typically, on a on a mobile uh, scanner, you're going to have a little bit larger speaker. Um, handhelds are going to be a little smaller, um, but you know they're both going to function the same way. Um, they're going to have the same guts, the same receiving uh, circuitry inside for the most part. So it's really going to depend on the space that you have. Um, I, I had a handheld mounted in my truck for many years. I only recently switched to a mobile. Uh, just because I wanted to uh, to upgrade some things and um, got a particular uh, model that had a remote head option that I really liked. So, you know, even in your truck, you could use uh, a truck or car. You can use a mobile or a handheld. It really depends on the space that you that you have. So, you know, 
when you start thinking about handheld versus mobile, I would say think about where you're going to use it most often. Is it going to be in your car? If so, how much space do you have? Do you need a smaller, a physically smaller unit like a handheld? Or if it's just going to be sitting on your your desk at home in the corner of the room, then, then, uh, I'd recommend, uh, a mobile, um, because it has a larger speaker and it'll just sound better, better in the room. Um, so there's a, you know, there's some things to consider there. You could also hook up an external speaker. If you're an audiophile and you really like things to sound good, there's all kinds of options, uh, in terms of, uh, external speakers to make, uh, the audio sound, sound very good. So, uh, it's going to be up to your individual taste, I think, uh, whether or not you go with an HT or a, or a mobile. And then both, both of those, uh, form factors are available in analog only and the, the, you know, analog digital models, right? Right. That's right. They, uh, so far, so far, most of the, uh, I'm trying to think, actually, I think all of the manufacturers right now have uh, two versions of each one of their models. They're going to have different model numbers, so uh, you'll have to pay attention to that, but uh, they will have a certain, I'm using air quotes here, you know, model, and it'll be available in a mobile version or a handheld version. Again, same guts inside, so, um, you know, you're going to, they should have equal, um, you know, uh, Receptive capability, um, receiving capability should be equal on both. It's just a matter of where you're going to put it. Now, on, on both of these types of radios, speaking from experience, you're also going to have a, a fairly decent front panel to, um, you know, be able to tune the radio to, which, as I mentioned earlier, with analog, it's pretty easy. You just need to know the frequency. Maybe there's a, a PL tone or something similar uh, on there. But when you get into the digital world, it's not that simple, is it? No, it's not. It's uh, it's a whole other ball game. But again, rely on the software. Don't let that be a barrier to entry for you. Don't let it scare you. Uh, but yes, when you when you're talking about digital, uh, you have to look at um, you know things like control channels. Uh, using air quotes again. These big words now in scanning <laughs> control channels, which is basically a digital signal that is being broadcast nonstop uh, from the tower to sync up all of the radios on that system. And so you have to tell your scanner, for example, in, in some instances, to go listen, go listen to that control channel. That's the contr- control channel for the system I want to hear. And then your scanner will be in sync with the system and know what frequencies to tune to um, as uh, units key up. But but again, that's all kind of done in the background. If you use software, you just tell it the control channel, what kind of digital system it is, and the frequency of the control channel, and it'll do the rest. But it's not as simple as, yeah, just punching in the frequency. Um, I, you know, and I mentioned earlier, you can program these things manually uh, with all these varying factors for digital systems, but it's just much easier to use use the software. Well, what's interesting... You know, I mean, we call them scanners, right? And mostly because back in the day, you either set a frequency range and said, start here and wind up here, stepping, mm-hmm. you know, 100 hertz along the way. Mm-hmm. Or here's a favorites list, scan through that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but this concept of just scanning to discover stuff in the digital world is a, is a little bit different. I mean, you'd, it's not like the old days where I had the radio going and be like, oh, you won't believe what I heard. Because the radio isn't just picking up stuff like that. Like you said, there's a lot more variables. I think 
when we talk about digital, you'll hear. Actually, I'm about to sound ignorant. I'm about to say something that might be ignorant, um, which is not the first time today. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the things that you'll hear uh, about in modern scanners is they do um, something called EDAX or something called LTR, which are systems that I think are older uh, digital or pre-digital systems. I, I don't know anything about them. What I what I really know, I'd say the most about, is the modern APCO Project Twenty Five phase yeah. one and phase two and i think by and large apco 20 or project 25 probably has the largest critical mass in today's world for digital uh like public service communication systems do you, do you mm-hmm. think that's accurate i i think it is yeah project 25 or p25 as it's often called um is mandated to be used by all federal agencies and i think that kind of cast the 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 first stone to say this is going to be uh uh, a standard uh now not not everyone has adopted it yet but for all federal agencies they're supposed to switch to p25 i don't remember the deadlines or the timelines for when that is supposed to happen but i think I, i would i would think that was that's probably why we see so many p25 or project 25 systems out there so i think you're right yeah because i mean there there are other digital systems um i think nxdn is one yep. that some people have used um moto turbo which amateurs would also know as a dmr or digital mobile radio mm-hmm. um, is another type of system that folks use but what's interesting is when you do look at digital scanners for the most part they only advertise being able to do edax ltr and the project 25s i don't know that you can buy a scanner that does nxdn i don't know that you can buy a scanner that does um you know some of these other obscure digital modes i, I remember Remember in the past there was a system that was digital that their big selling point was that nobody makes a scanner to listen to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could remember what it was called. It didn't do very well because uh, in the public safety world, interoperability is very important. And if you have a radio system that doesn't talk anything that any of your neighbors have, well, it's not very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. But yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because these little words really do matter uh, as far as knowing what type of scanner you need to buy. Actually, I just realized there's another really important concept in scanning that kind of predated digital that we forgot to mention. Do you know what it is? I would. I think it's trunking. It is trunking. Right? We to- hey, I, I have had a long day. <laughs> I am screwing this interview up left, right, and center. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah, trunking, uh, you know, predates digital, but it was one of the first things that kind of threw scanner listeners for a loop. Um, and what trunking did was try to maximize the, the available frequencies on a system. Um, you know, back in the old days, a uh, police department might have four different frequencies, but um, they were all operated uh, or received and transmitted, rather, from the same tower. I'm just kind of hypothetically describing a system here. But, you know, you had four frequencies all from the same tower, and each frequency might be used for a different purpose. One might be dispatch, one might be tactical, one might be a talk around, just kind of a simplex on the scene, and the fourth one might be for interagency operabilities, you know, so the next city over could 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 hear you. Um, but the thing was, if, if someone was on the tactical frequency and tying it up, well, then you're out of luck. You can't talk because there's somebody using that tactical frequency. Well, trunking came along and said, okay, I'm going to take these four frequencies that you already have 
have, you already have a license for, you've got antennas for, you've got transmitters for, I'm going to take those four frequencies and kind of skip around all four of them at any given time so that at any moment when someone keys up a microphone, I'm going to find a frequency of those four that is not in use and let you use it. And so uh, agencies were like, wow, this is this is amazing. We can almost, you know, double triple, I'm not a math person, maybe quadruple our capacity uh, by making this a trunked system. Um, Of course, scanner uh, manufacturers back then, um, this is probably what, back in the early 90s maybe? I hope I'm right on that. I think it was like mid-90s, like 96 to 98. Yeah. Uh, you know, scanner manufacturers started jumping on this thing. Oh, we got to we got to get trunking scanners. So that was the big thing. That was the headline in all the sale sale papers. You know, trunks trunking scanner on sale. We've got it. You know, this is how you can listen to your trunk systems. Well, like my Pro 2006 that we keep referring to, the old uh, grandpa that it is. You know, if I just p- still punched in those four frequencies, I could hear you know what was being said. I just may not hear it in the right order. <laughs> and so that was the challenge. If you didn't have a trunk scanner, it was still analog. You could still hear those four frequencies, but you might miss part of the conversation. Um, and so what, what the trunk scanners did, I'll try to keep it short, was they, they would listen to that control channel that I mentioned earlier, a control channel that was constantly sending out a digital signal saying, okay, it's kind of like a, it's an air traffic control system for those four frequencies that I described. It says, okay, you're next, and then when they're done with you, we're going to go to you. When we're done with you, we're going to go back to you, and your scanner knew which frequency to tune to next. And this is really simplifying this how these things work. But but that that in essence is what Trunked did, and it was a game changer for not only public service agencies but for for the scanner hobby too. But no, the the, the trunking was interesting because you know I, uh, in Seattle when I lived there. Uh, in 2010, they still had 800 megahertz analog trunk systems. And so with a, just my holding my FT60, right? My ASU FT60, I could tune to those frequencies, but I would hear 20 seconds of a conversation and then some silence and then 10 seconds of another conversation and then some silence, um, you know, because it's literally moving the radios to move the conversation around to available bandwidth. What's interesting um, about this is this is still a key technology in today's uh, digital radio systems at project 25 absolutely relies on trunking to maximize the the utilization of the number of of channels uh, allocated to your your service department. That's right. It does. It's still the root of many of these these newer digital systems. And so, thank goodness, you know, these scanner companies can continue to to take advantage of the technology that they had already developed. It's just a matter of being able to tune in to the uh, the ones and zeros, the digital the digital signal now instead of analog. And in the example you gave earlier, where there might be a dispatch uh, frequency and a tactical frequency and a like car to car frequency, now uh, in the trunk world and again carrying all the way forward to today's digital radio systems was the concept of talk groups can you describe what a talk group is yeah, a talk group is basically your membership card for the system, and it says, um, I have access to this system, and I am a fire department user. And so it uh, it knows, based on the talk group that you are, um, who, who you need to talk to in most cases. And so it's, it's, it's a way to um, keep like or similar users together. 
while the trunking system continues to just spin the wheel uh, to find the next available frequency um, in the system. You know, and some of these trunked systems now have 20 or 30 uh, frequencies. And so, you know, you can imagine how hard it would be to scan through all those very quickly. Um, you know, with a talk group, it may hop you around between those 30 frequencies, but all of the other users who are also a member of your talk group will never leave your conversation. They're always going to be listening for you and you're going to be listening for them. And that's all managed through use of the control channel. Yeah, the control channel knows all. <laughs> and so, again, in the analog world, we needed to know a frequency. Now, in the digital world, you need to know the control channel. You need to have an understanding of talk groups. Mm -hmm. um, it's often helpful to have an understanding of, um, I'll call them virtual channels. You know, So when you look at a system uh, and you'll see it does say, here's the dispatch, here are the car-to-car, -car, here's the tactical one through four. Um, you know, those are things that are programmed to the radio. It's basically like virtual uh, virtual channels on the, yeah. the system that kind of just categorizes what the traffic is for. Mm -hmm. um, and those are the things that when we talk about, you know, programming these digital scanners by hand, like you have to know all that. And plus, on top of that, um, in a world where municipalities have said, okay, fire department, police department used to have your own radio systems. But as you mentioned, we're going to basically pool all your frequencies together and put one system in for everything. Maybe you have a large area to cover. And so you have more than one transmitter site now. Mm -hmm. And so with digital, you also have to understand a little bit about the number of sites they have and understanding how they work together. And I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm Kale always says he's not, you know, the smartest guy in the room. When it comes to this stuff, I am definitely not the smartest guy in the room. And quite frankly, if it weren't for a couple of key resources, yeah. I probably would not be in the scanner hobby today. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about a couple of those things that make it easy for guys like me. When I first got licensed, there were no $30 handy talkies to be had. We spent hundreds of dollars to get a nice dual band from China. Now everybody's prices have come down, but some of the quality has gone up in some, and it's, it's faltered in others. i got to keep talking about this one because it continues to surprise me every single day that I use it. I got a note the other day from my buddy Justin. Kale, the Kenwood handy talkie you've got is doing its job. Now, I was using it mobile inside my wife's Suburban and was getting excellent signal reports out in the country. So if you're looking for a single band handheld that has a tremendous audio quality of course because it's Kenwood make sure you check out the THK 20 Alpha from Kenwood and you can find it at mtcradio.com Alright you're back with Jeremy KF7IJZ and our guest Kevin K5KVN uh, talking about all things analog and digital scanners we just finished talking about how digital is hard and <laughs> let, let's just sum it up Digital radio is hard when it comes to uh, these public safety, public service systems, mainly talking about Project 25. And we haven't even talked about the fact there's actually two flavors of Project 25 out there. Mm -hmm. So two th big things happened in the last 10 years that made scanning more accessible to people. And I would say probably the most important thing out there is a website that, that 
that started sharing information and had a, a very active community of users who were uh, going out and trying to figure this stuff out to try to get this control channel and these talk groups and all this other information and share it with the community. What You know the website I'm talking about. Oh, it's got to be radioreference.com. Dot com. Got to be. <laughs> I, and I tell you, they they are like uh, like you said. I I am also definitely not the smartest guy in the room when it comes to some of the technicalities behind some of this. And and frankly, if you know if if you don't know the the talk group number or you don't know the control channel, it's very very difficult to to mine that information on your own. And that's when a community uh, effort comes to play like radioreference.com and um, I you know I hearken back to the days when I would um, you know subscribe to the publications and newsletters of guys like Larry Van Horn who has uh, you know been around for ages and uh, would compile frequency lists and 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 publish great articles on how to to find uh, cool things to listen to on your scanner. Um, you know, I would I would get the newsletter from Karma, which I, I hope that's I think that's was was their name. Karma. It was a, a monitoring group out of Chicago who um, would publish a fantastic newsletter uh, with frequencies and and ways to receive things and to tune antennas just right to pick up certain frequencies. And um, nowadays it's nowadays it's all done you know on forums. <sighs> And in databases on on places like radioreference.com. And I will say a lot of the the newer software just ties right into Radio Reference. You can say, yes, I want want this system for this city. Go get it, please. And it will go to radioreference.com if you have a subscription. You You do have to have a subscription. And it will download that into the software, program your radio. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I think that's one of the... The most useful things, right, is they, they have this database for the entire nation. Um, there's another technological change that came around <clears throat> that, that it was also a game changer, which was actually the thing that made this accessible to me. But before we talk about that, there were a lot of different uh, software packages uh, designed for programming like these uh, these unit and Bearcat scanners and the formerly GRE uh, scanners where you had to have all this information. They got all the data from radio reference. You went through, you select, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. I want to hear um, the Cincinnati police in Hamilton County. And you're just, you know, kind of checking a box uh, in that software. And it takes care of all that difficult programming stuff for you to the radio because the radio didn't know how to talk about those things at the time. Mm-hmm. It didn't know what a county was or what police meant or anything. But the, a lot of these other third party software applications made that really easy for people. Yeah, it sure did. And it um, it it took a difficult t- task and made it so much better and really at the click of a button you can update your scanner um i've got one of the newer whistler models um and it has a little sd card in it and so it's as simple as that you can put that sd card in your laptop you know download the information from radio reference and then just plug that sd card right back into the scanner turn it on and and voila you're you're done um and so that's that i i think without that there would be um, a lot less people buying and listening to scanners without that that resource like RadioReference.com. Um, and what makes RadioReference.com 
um, so valuable is the members who contribute information. And, you know, I, every time I talk to a scanner hobbyist, I'm saying, Hey, have you, have you published anything to radioreference.com lately? Because, um, it, 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 the data on the website is only good as good as the information that people, you know, put into the website. And so, um, and, and that information comes from various sources. You know, I've seen guys who actually work at the police department. They're, they're the radio technicians for an agency, and they'll just they'll publish their stuff on RadioReference.com and say, "Hey, here you go. Here's our here's our talk groups. Here's the control channels. Here's everything you need to know." And they'll update the database. Um, now, one thing that is happening with with sites like RadioReference.com is as the analog systems switch to digital, uh, you know, some of the older systems in the database are not being deleted. And that's important, too, because you don't want your software to go grab outdated or dead systems um, into your scanner. That just takes up space. And, you and, know, sl- and it takes up time when you're scanning. It slow you down, right? It could. I mean, it's milliseconds, but added up over time. Yeah, it slows down your scanning, and so it's important. You know, I urge everyone that's listening to, you know, if you use RadioReference.com, take a few minutes and browse your county and just see. Hey, yes, is that still okay? Yes, that's still active. Oh, that's an old one. I need to tell them to delete that one. You know, submit it. Submit it through the website. The, there are volunteer admins on that site who do a terrific job of of keeping everything up to date as they find out about it. Again, it, the information on the site is only as good as the information that is put onto the site by users like us. And one of the things that's really interesting about Radio Reference is there's not another site like it. I mean, no, there. I I'm, I don't mean this to have a negative connotation, but I mean they they have the monopoly on this data, but it's also it's the it's it's perfect there's there's not a lot i think people would change i mean it's right. you would you would be hard pressed to come up with a better solution to the problem i agree now i kind of referenced this earlier when i said there was another advancement in the scanning hobby that was a a, a game changer and if you go back to the year 2010 maybe 2009 2010 um uniden released a revolutionary product do you remember what that was? Home Patrol. Home Patrol. And yes, yes. Home Patrol matters because with a Home Patrol, you didn't need to know any of this stuff. You didn't need to know yeah. analog or digital. <laughs> All you needed to know was your zip code and that you wanted to hear the police yep. or fire or aviation or CB or uh-huh. whatever. And, and the current generation of, of scanners out there you know the all the flagship models um from Whistler uh which was formerly GRE and uh, from Uniden have this feature where number 1 they're getting an entire copy of the radio reference database and you don't have to pay for that with these scanners that subscription is included yes it is that's right uh and that those databases are updated very frequently at least weekly if not more often mhm but you go into the radio and you put in your zip code and tell it what you want to listen to based on service. Most of them have the ability uh, for you to be able to do the deep dive programming and the discovery. Um, but for for the Home Patrol in, in, in particular, which now the home, the home Patrol was the original version. There's now the Home Patrol 2, which does uh, its big feature was that it does Project 25 Phase 2. Um, but man... The, the, I mean, it it blows the scanning hobby and makes it blows it wide open, makes it available to anybody. 
Yeah, it really made it easy. In fact, when those first came out, I, I never owned one, unfortunately, just kind of never, never, had, never had an opportunity or a need to get one. But when they first came out, I was scratching my head like, how in the world does that work? This is black magic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, once you, once you kind of dig into it a little bit, it was, it was brilliant. And it was literally as easy as you described, just punching in your, your zip code and then just, um, digging into that database. And so I, you know, people were buying them. Them, plugging them in, setting them on their desk, and they were listening to their 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 local systems, you know, in ten minutes, and it was just done. Absolutely, I mean, and that's that's basically the way it was, I, and that's still the way it is. And what's uh, what's neat is the Home Patrol still in production. Like I said, it's on its second generation. Uh, then GRE now Whistler came out with a product that you could put a zip code in to do a search and basically select your systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had the original Home Patrol and returned it because living in D.C., which is a very high RF environment to begin with, uh, the receiver just wasn't able to keep up with that much. But I bought the equivalent GRE, and I really wish I could remember the model of that little handheld, the Easy Scan, the GRE Easy Scan. Okay, right, right. Um, I bought that. It had a, a little bit better receiver, plus it did Project 25 Phase 2, although not officially. But man, being able to unlock uh, all of that, not having to know a thing about these systems uh, was really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's funny, the the software that Whistler still uses today is called EasyScan. So a little throwback to the, uh, <laughs> to the old thing there. But yeah, it just made it a lot easier. It sure did. So are there any other advancements or anything interesting that you think um, makes the scanning hobby easy or... Uh, you know, is there any software, any programs, any other websites, any other resources that make it a more enjoyable hobby uh, mm-hmm. or or an easier to participate in hobby that you know of? You know, just the Internet in general, I think I would say there are so many um, blogs out there now uh, with frequency lists on it. There are um, a, a dozens of Yahoo groups, uh, many of which are um, honed in on a specific niche of the hobby. So, for example, I subscribe to a military communications Yahoo group, and it's it's uh, you know an email list, and um, it's guys who are finding new frequencies or or hearing hearing activity on a certain frequency and sending out an email to alert everyone. Hey, if you're in the Northeast, turn on your scanner. You've got uh, you know a refueling uh, mission happening right now. Um, and so just kind of the Internet in general, there are so many ways to get plugged in to uh, the varying aspects of the scanner hobby. Much like amateur radio, there's hundreds of different flavors of, uh, of activity. And, and the same goes for scanning. So whether or not you like uh, to listen to airplanes or, or maybe you want to um, list, just listen to military stuff or maybe you just want to listen to federal agencies, you know, like the FBI when they're not encrypted. <laughs> there are groups out there that, that will uh, make it easier for you to, to do that, to make it easier for you to find frequencies, uh, make it easier for you to find those things like talk groups and control channels that we were talking about and alert you to when there is activity in your area so that you can go turn on the scanner um, and enjoy it. So, you know, do a Google search for something that you're interested in and um, see what's out there. I'm sure you'll find some like-minded folks who are, are willing to give you a hand. Well, I'm really glad to hear you mention encryption because that's... It's a dirty word. It's a dirty word. Um, <laughs> and actually, the, the interesting thing is I think... 
that the scanning, I mean, there are those people in the scanning community that believes everything should be accessible. There are people that think none of it should be accessible. And then probably the middle of the road um, viewpoint is that most things should be accessible. And then there are probably some tactical situations where encryption may be appropriate, Mm -hmm. Um, especially considering you can walk into uh, a lot of different shops. I mean, you you know, you don't have to have a license to buy these things, and there there is a lot of um, there's a lot of data out there or examples of criminals using scanners to stay one step ahead of the police. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, the the problem is if a system is digital and it's encrypted, there's literally nothing you can do. Right. Not not until Apple comes out with their first quantum computer, right. <laughs> and and you can run some heavy duty decryption going um, brute force well, decryption. And, and if they change the law to make it legal to do so, that's the other barrier too to that. You know, and it's I I think I fall in the middle of the road as you described it. Um, there's a the Fayetteville, Arkansas Police Department does it this way. They have the dispatches open. Most um, car to car calls, for lack of a better term, is open. But tactical and SWAT team operations are always encrypted. Um, and they just came right out and were very frank about that when they flipped the switch on those, those channels that they were going to encrypt. And I really appreciated that they were open and honest about it. And, and, and to me, that kind of made sense. I'm okay with that. But, you know, it is – and I'm no lawyer, so let me give you that disclaimer. But it is illegal to decrypt encrypted radio transmissions. It is legal to listen to digital frequencies or digital uh, signals. Okay, so let's let's get that clear. It is legal, absolutely legal, to listen to a digital signal. If they have encrypted that signal, though, um, it is illegal to 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 decrypt it. Now, I don't know enough about the technicalities. It would be even if I knew the technicalities, it would be so hard, as you mentioned, to decrypt that. You would need Apple's, you know, supercomputer to be able to to do it, but. Um, you know, in terms of encryption, you'll find a lot of the tactical tactical things are encrypted. Uh, most federal agencies are encrypted as well, and by that I mean things like FBI, Secret Service, um, you know, the U.S. Marshals, um, things like that. They're going to be encrypted all the time. Um, they're running high operate, you know, high uh, high value, uh, you know, operations. They're going to be encrypted all the time. I will tell you, I have heard the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency. Digital but unencrypted for quite some time. Um, I have heard uh, the TSA, uh, Transportation Security Administration, digital but unencrypted for quite some time. So if that's your bag and you want to hear that kind of stuff, you still can. Um, but they do have a little button on their radio to go encrypted at any time uh, to protect what they're, what they're doing. And they can flip the switch at, at any time. And if they do, you're just out of luck. Yeah, and actually to that point, when I was living in uh, the D.C. metro area, I don't remember what county it was um, in Maryland. I think it was uh, Prince William or Prince George's. But the, everything everything from the school buses to, you know, the cops on the street, everything went encrypted. And uh, it was quite a controversial topic. And the first people that were up in arms about it were reporters and mm-hmm. folks who worked for newspapers and whatnot. Because they, you know, we didn't cover that, but... There are folks who rely on a scanner as part of their professional toolkit. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I was a, a radio reporter for for a while, uh, in early in my my communications career, and we had scanners in the newsroom. Uh, they were absolutely a, a source of information for us. And uh, there was a lawsuit recently in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, a couple of citizens had uh, sued the city of Little Rock because they went encrypted with their system. I I think that suit is still pending as of today. I could be wrong, but but that made news around here, and so. And I, I know that's not an isolated incident. There are several people who think that everything should be open. And so it's something that public service agencies are grappling with. Um, one way that I've seen some handle the situation, you mentioned reporters, um, they'll give a radio to uh, a news agency. Um, and so, you know, even though their system is encrypted, they'll just, you know, give the newspaper, the local newspaper, one of their radios to sit in the newsroom so that they can hear what's going on. Um, and to them, that's the, you know, that's the public's ability to be able to listen in uh, to the system. So I've seen, I've seen that as a solution. Um, you know, but for the for the most part, um, I, I've seen a lot of uh, radio companies um, use that as an excuse to sell an encrypted system and say, "Well, gosh, if you don't want people to hear you, you need to buy our product." <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm I'm sure they make a, a lot of money for their efforts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because this hobby also, when looking at the public service agencies, um, and when it, when places do go full encryption, there there does become the um, the question of without the ability to you know independently observe what these organizations are doing, that you um, you know bad things could in theory happen because there's no if nobody can hear what they're doing, nobody can hold them accountable. Um, but that's far too deep for this program. Um, but again, I bet most people didn't realize that the scanning hobby had so much um, drama and contention in it. <laughs> that's that's for sure. It's, it's like getting to uh, getting to Golden Corral on a Thursday night and finding that there's no steak left um, in the steak bar. And there's a thirty minute wait. Forget it. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at this point, we've kind of covered uh, roughly what there is to listen to. We've covered, um, you know, a little bit of difference between analog and digital. We've talked about some some good resources that are invaluable, um, both from the perspective of uh, information online as well as radios that make this really easy. When we come back, we're going to finally answer the question that almost everybody always wants to know. We're going we're to actually talk equipment. I mean, we're, we're geeks, right? I mean, hams love equipment, so we have to talk equipment. Did I lose you? Nope. Still here. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Obviously, that, that, I wasn't. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I obviously wasn't that compelling. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were tossing the break, but hey, sounds good to me. Let's do it. All right. When we come back, we will talk more about equipment, and then we're going to ask the question, what's the most interesting thing you've heard on a scanner? Ooh, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. that's a good one. All right, we will be back. It is that time of year again, and if you're looking to buy some gear, you're going to Hamfest. You're saving your pennies, you're going through your couch, you're trying to find some funds to buy some fun stuff at the Hamfest. Make sure you look out for Tim and the Bridgecom Systems banner. He's going all over the country to show you his brand new gear for Bridgecom. They got their mobile, talked about it a minute ago, got their handheld. I've got one, works great. And our club uses the Bridgecom 220 repeater. It's flawless. 
you need some 220 gear, check out bridgecomsystems.com. All right, this is Jeremy KF7IJZ with Kevin K5KVN. We're talking all things scanners. We've covered a lot of ground, don't you think? I think we have, and hopefully we haven't lost anybody. Stay with us, okay? This is an easy and fun hobby. Trust us. <laughs> it is. As easy as pushing buttons, and we're, we're coming in on the home stretch. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's talk equipment. And uh, because I mentioned the Home Patrol, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll start there. One of the things uh, that sets the Home Patrol apart from pretty much every other scanner on the market is that, first of all, it's this rounded corner blob. It's not a box. Mm-hmm. It's slightly bigger than a handheld and significantly smaller than a mobile or uh, like desktop radio. Runs off double A's. But its, it's major selling feature, uh, as far as being a consumer-friendly product, is it has a big color touchscreen on it. Mm-hmm. And this was before touchscreens were cool in radio equipment kids. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, so I'm actually trying to look right now, because this is one of the things. I always forget how much stuff costs. So the, oh, Home, yeah, Patro- yeah. the Home Patrol 2, uh, available for about between 4 and 440, depending. Um, and that's that's a pretty good chunk of change. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's you know that's in line with um, you know I'd I'd say that's um, mid to upper end pricing right there. Yeah, and and they've got to be aren't they like the only one that has that big screen? Yeah, they are. And I think that's it. Yeah. And so I have a Home Patrol too, um, and it's it's actually my travel scanner. I I actually every time I travel anywhere, I take that thing with me. Oh, um, that's cool. And yeah. that actually last summer when we. Uh, we were staying with some friends in Kansas City, and it actually came in handy because there were some kids like lighting off some pretty big fireworks in the middle of like a, a very dry season. And um, you know, I got to listen to the police chase the kids around the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, that would be an excellent travel scanner, though. Now that you mention it, because again, it's as simple as keying in your zip code. Um, so if you know the zip code where your hotel is, I mean, you're you're on. You know, in, in two minutes, that's a great idea. You know what other feature it has that's really awesome? What's that? I can plug a GPS receiver into it. Oh. And as you drive, it'll automatically update your location data. Okay. I didn't realize that one had that. That was one of the, I always thought that was one of the coolest innovations on some of the earlier Bearcat scanners. I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, I never had one, but I had a friend who did. And man, yeah, you just drive. It, it even had the ability, and maybe the Home Patrol does too, that if you're mobile with it, it detects what area you're in, and it will change to the the system uh, that covers the area where you are. Yep, and that's that's actually what I'm talking about most. Uh, is yeah, it, as you drive along, you know, if if you set your um trying to think like if you set because you set your location you set your radius and if you go outside your radius uh say your radius is 10 miles you know about every 10 miles it'll recalculate where you are and mm-hmm. um and actually having used the scanner across country um in the car it's been really cool you know that's something we should mention really quick is uh you can't put a scanner in a car in every state that's true that's true the laws vary so you have to do a little bit of research on that as well. Um, and then there's some fa- an, an additional factor where some states where it might be illegal to put a scanner in your car, if you have a ham radio license, then it is legal. Yep. 
Um, so yeah, got to check that out. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I, I forgot about. It. If I remember correctly, I think Virginia was one of those states where you couldn't have a scanner in your car unless you were a first responder or a ham, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. But yeah, so they're they're like you said, they're in the mid, the mid because the the home patrol is not the best radio that unit and makes um, its receiver is mediocre, mm-hmm. um, but it gets the job done. Another cool feature that it has in a lot of the other radios, what we'll talk about here in a second, you mentioned earlier, there's an SD card cause that's where it keeps the database. Yep. Um, this scanner and others have the ability to actually record the audio that it hears. Mm-hmm. Um, there are tools available in it that help finding systems or, or debugging systems to understand what traffic is on them. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. Like there's a, a little spectrum analyzer or you can basically tell it a start and a stop frequency and it will come back and tell you, Hey, I found project 25 traffic here. And then it gives you the tools to kind of dig into that a little bit more, which is really cool. Cause those are the tools needed to keep the hobby alive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's the kind of thing that, um, you know, becomes useful for the folks at, at radioreference.com or some of the other online places is people that, that will listen for those changes because the systems do change over time. They may add a talk group here or there or change a control channel. And, and without a tool like you just described, it's going to be real hard to find that on your own. Exactly. So I, I don't want to plug the, the home patrol too much. Um, but yeah. it's, it's, if you're new to this, it's a very easy thing to look at because it doesn't look like a scanner at all. And it, it is a very popular radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, it has a little, uh, you know, uh, almost a rubber ducky antenna, I think, um, out of the box. But you can also have an external antenna on that one, too. Right. Yep. It has an SMA connector on the side um, and it does come with a fixed rubber ducky. Um I usually run it with, uh, actually, this is the one thing that's really sad. Radio Shack used to sell uh, an 800 megahertz rubber ducky scanner antenna. And I'm I'm sure there was nothing special about it, but it is the best performing uh, mobile or portable antenna that I have for my scanners. Mm, Nice. Nice. So, you know, again, that's kind of the middle of the pack. And I, I started there because that radio is ridiculous easy to use. But so, you know, 4 to 440, but... What are some good, if I want to listen to all this new digital stuff, what, what's kind of the entry level uh, digital radio? Yeah, I, and I'm trying to think what the new uh, model numbers are over on the Whistler side. So, you know, Whistler took over the GRE um, intellectual property. They, they own all the GRE brand, which was also co-branded with Radio Shack scanners. So uh, there was the Pro, the PRO series, um, you know, and there's still some that are available today, like the Pro 197 or the Pro 97. You can find it out there on eBay for pretty cheap. And it was one of the first digital trunking scanners that Radio Shack and GRE made. Um, both of those, I, I have both of those. It's uh, the 197 is the um, the mobile version. The Pro 97 is the handheld version. They're no longer in production, but you can, like I said, you can still get them uh, in various places. But they do really good with with P25 uh, digital systems. I have found, and and uh, particularly those are around 800 megahertz, right? So those have really good ears for that kind of system. They. They do not have good ears for, at least in my experience, for um, aircraft. Um, so, you know, between uh, 120 and, and 136-ish a.m., 
terrible receiver for those, um, which again is where the internet can come in handy. And I, I, I'll go back to finding kind of a niche for what you want to listen to. If you, if you know you just want to listen to airplanes, then you know find out, find the scanner that has the best receiver for that that band that frequency band and then get you an antenna that's cut to those frequencies as well um so you know you can get um as deep into engineering a scanner system or as as laid back in engineering a scanner system as as you want um but if i, I and again i'd have to look up to to see what the model number is on the GREs now that that matches the Pro 97. So I think which one did you say was the handheld? The handheld is the 97. So yeah. I think the ha- the GRE model number. Which again, remember GRE has gone out of business. A company called Whistler, which yeah. you may know from uh, radar detectors, mm-hmm. purchased all their intellectual property and their manufacturing rights. So GRE, the the last generation of the scanners that they made that didn't take a zip code were the the 500 and the 600. Um, the 600 was the desktop, and I th- so I think the 97 and the 500 were the same radio. That, yeah, that rings a bell. I think you're right. I think you're right. Now, again, these radios aren't in production anymore, but they there are plenty of them out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they are going to listen to almost everything that's out there. They The only thing they don't do is the newer um, Project 25 Phase 2. You may right. also hear that, refer that to as Project 25 TDMA. Um, a couple years ago, that didn't matter because there were only two counties in the entire country that had moved to Phase 2. But as time marches on and people want more uh, capability out of the bandwidth that they have, you know, you'll see adoption of that increase. Mm -hmm. But I have friends who are still rocking their 600s and they're just fine. Yeah, yeah. And and don't be afraid to buy a used radio that's out there. Um, You know, make sure it's in good shape and it's in working order. And then all you have to do is just reprogram it. It's it's that simple. So there is a, a large market of of used radios out there. And here's something that I see often, too, is that, you know, as as agencies and systems get upgraded, then certain model scanners become obsolete uh, in terms of being able to receive that system. So people will sell them. Uh, it's no use to them. They can't pick up their local stuff anymore. So they sell them. But but that's OK, because that scanner may pick up what you want to listen to. So all that to to say, don't be afraid of buying a used scanner. It may be programmed for the previous owner's stuff, but you can reprogram it and make it work just fine for your stuff. Especially with a, was it called Scanner Master? Is that the the big software? That's one. There's there's Win 500 is a popular one that works on the uh, the GRE stuff. Um, even Chirp, which a lot of ham radio operators will be familiar with, Chirp will program some scanners um, out there as well. Now, the it won't program the older scanners, so that's a caveat. You know, we probably ought to say some of the older older scanners cannot be programmed with computers. Okay. Uh, you know, so, so you know the Pro 2006 that I I got back in 1990, well 1990 I think it was. You know, you can't program it with a computer. You, you're going to have to punch the buttons yourself on the front of the the radio to get it programmed. So, um, you know, do you'll have to make sure that if you want to program it with a computer that it is capable of of doing so. So, um, you mentioned you know the Pro 97 and all that. So that generation of radio, which I'll, I'll call the last generation, the, la- the the best generation of the pre 
P25 phase two radios. Yeah. The, the unit in models that fall into that category that are no longer manufactured um, are for the handheld. It was the Bearcat 396. And for the desktop, it was the Bearcat 996. Mm. Um, oddly enough, both of those radios have been replaced with modern versions that do P25. Um, the unit and model, the BCD, Oh, I, I'm, I'm cheating. I'm looking off somebody else's website. The BCD <laughs> 325 P2 yeah. uh, is a handheld for 400 bucks. Um, nice big screen. Doesn't have the ability to take a zip code. It, it doesn't come with the full radio reference databases. Um, but as far as the, the receiver quality and its capabilities, it's, it's still uh, a good radio. The, the modern desktop equivalent of that is the BCD, the Bravo, sorry, Bravo Charlie Delta 996 Papa 2, which is another 50 bucks for the desktop version. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two radios are the next to the flagship radios on the unit inside. What about on the Whistler side? What's, what's, what are they making today? If I, if I were going to go to a uh, main trading company and I was going to say, I want the latest and greatest, what, what am I going to be looking at? Yeah, on the Whistler side, they uh, they just released a new uh, mobile scanner. It's the WS, the Whiskey Sierra 1098. Um, it is um, the same gut. It has the same internal guts as the WS 1095. But the difference is, and I think Whistler learned something here between the 1095 and its big brother, the 1098. That the difference is the 1098 has the the 10 key. Uh, uh, pad on the on the faceplate. It has it has numbers one through zero or one through ten in essence on there, and what that is is it, it allows you to punch in frequencies directly. It also allows you to turn on and off favorites lists much easier. Um, the 1095 did not have that. They had a uh, a rather unique uh, front end system that had its um, usability challenges, we'll say. It, it took, for example, I think it's like three key punches to be able to change your scan list. So imagine trying to do that driving down the road. If you say, okay, I'm tired of listening to my county police. I want to listen to local air traffic control. Um, it, took like, it took like three key punches to get that done. Um, on the WS-1098, uh, like I said, I think they learned something. They realized that wasn't the way to go. We need to re- bring back the uh, the numbers on the faceplate to allow people to easily, with one one touch of a key, turn on or turn off um, a, uh, a a favorites list. Um, Whistler has the ability to uh, enter your zip code and program the radio. Um, I have used that before. I was on a trip recently and did that. It worked perfectly. Uh, had me going within just a couple of minutes hearing the local police department where I was. Um, it has an SD card, and that's where it carries the database. Um, it has a USB port that uh, is how you can you can program it if you don't want to take the SD card out. You can you can program it with a USB port. And something we haven't touched on is the firmware on some of these units. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, Whistler, Uniden, they both do this to where. Just like your computer, the operating system gets updated every so often, and just like the apps on your iPhone or your your uh, you know Android phone, those apps get updated from time to time to make them more efficient uh, and to squash some bugs. Uh, same thing with scanners. You know uh, these these Whistler radios have that USB port, 
and you can download the latest firmware on a laptop or a computer. Uh, plug that USB uh, into the computer, and um, and voila, it's like you're getting a brand new scanner. You've got uh, more functionality. In some cases, they increase the 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 sensitivity on a certain frequency band, uh, or they realize that oops, we forgot this in the step uh, in the programming st- uh, the steps to programming, so they'll fix it. Um, so that's something to keep in mind too, is that. You know, as as these scanners age, these newer scanners age, you know, we'll have the ability to kind of keep them alive a little bit longer, I hope. At least that's my personal hope through updating firmware. So if if I ran a scanner company, do you know what I would do? <laughs> you would uh, give them out free. No, no, you don't make money that way. I'm actually serious <laughs> about this because I think Uniden was positioned. I, I'm going to say this. This is my opinion. Unit and radios, in my opinion, look nicer than the Whistlers, but I think yeah, the Whistlers yeah. tend to have a slightly better receiver. I think you're right. Um, Whistlers also have a feature where you can get the pre-discriminator audio out from the radios by default, and that's the average person isn't going to care about that, but that's an important feature if you're uh, using a computer to do decoding or logging, or there's, there's some other interactions which is beyond the scope of this episode. But anyway, um, the... If I ran a scanner company, I would sell a base chassis, and I would sell you the scanner, and you would get analog for free. Maybe you get Project 25 Phase 1 for free, and then I would sell you a license to unlock other decoding methods. I like that. So if yeah. you wanted to have your scanner do D-Star or System Fusion, or if you wanted your scanner to be able to do DMR, which is not terribly different from P25, or you wanted to do NXDN, you could unlock those or, or pay for extra software to add those capabilities. Unidim, um, in some of the radios, you have to unlock some of the advanced uh, analysis tools. Mm-hmm. And it's like a $50 license. And once you have it, it's in there, and it's in there for good. And it's it's useful. But I was really hoping that with the latest generation of Unidim scanners, we would see them doing that. Now, I'm jumping all over the place. As I want to go back to the Whistlers, um, they also have a handheld that did what, like you said, they added the 10 key support, the WS 1088. Yeah. So the, the desktop, the, the is about five to five twenty. The handheld is about four fifty mm-hmm. in that price mm-hmm. range. And I would, I would say, you know, not to put in a, a, a I'm not getting uh, compensated for a glowing review of Whistler, but you know, they, they do tend to be just a little bit more pricey than some of the other models. But, but for me so far, the Whistlers that I have owned have been just solid as a rock and the audio sounds so good. It's oh, the yeah. best, best sounding audio I've ever heard coming you know, straight out of the box. One of my other favorite features of the Whistler, and this is stupid, but it, it's a nice, it's, it's a nice little thing. There is a multicolored LED that you can program. So if you're listening to the police, you could have it flash red and white. Or, yeah. sorry, red and blue. If you're listening to ambulance, you could have it flash red and white. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, I know it sounds really silly, but when I had the Easy Scan, the Jerry Easy Scan, I used that all the time so I could tell from across the room what I was hearing. Mm hmm. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, granted, like Uniden and the late and their flagship models had the ability to change the 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 background color of the screen, mm-hmm. um, and it gave everybody equal billing. So the the two flagship um, Uniden models, the handheld is the BCD four thirty six HP, 
Um, all the great functionality and receiver and all the technology, et cetera. Um, but with the ability to type in that zip code, um, USB has an SD card for programming, gets the, the data from radio reference, all that great stuff runs off. Uh, I can't remember if it was three or four AA batteries. Um, I had one for a short while. Uh, I ended up getting rid of it because I just never really at that time. I didn't need a portable. Um, I wasn't traveling or anything. And then later, of course I picked up the home patrol too, cause it's just so darn easy to use. Mm. But, um, Uniden's flagship flagship, the BCD 536 HP, again, similar radio as far as capabilities as the 436 handheld. Mm-hmm. But it has one feature that really sets it apart. Now, I, I, full disclosure, I own this radio. I have owned this radio since they first came out. And I'm going to kind of knock unit in just a tiny bit because everything that could go. <laughs> I'm sure you do you own one? No, but I know exactly what you're talking <clears throat> about because I was going to buy one until the issues came up that I think you're about to describe. So this radio, if you buy one today, is fine more or less. Um, there was an issue where I had to send the radio back because the headphone amplifier inside of it was faulty and they replaced it and sent it back, gave me a three year warranty. I was a little frustrated that they repaired my radio, uh, rather than replacing it with a radio that didn't have the defect, but whatever. That wasn't even the worst thing though. The worst thing was the big selling point for the 536 is it comes with a Wi-Fi adapter. Mm-hmm. There's a USB port on the back, a USB host port. And the the big killer app feature for this is that they were going to have an app you could download on your smart device. And you were going to be able to listen to your scanner from anywhere. You know, if you set up the networking correctly, you could listen to it while you're off your network. Um, you could listen to it on your home network. Mm-hmm. But that feature took two years year and a, at least a year and a half for that feature to materialize yeah um it like it's to the point actually i just drug my 536 out of the basement i have i haven't un- since i moved here I've, I've been in cincinnati a year now i hadn't unpacked it um because i i was so frustrated but i saw you know the app was available so i unpacked it updated all the firmware and whatnot and it's actually pretty cool uh when it works I have yeah. an I, I have an iPhone, but I will admit, like leaving my scanner downstairs in my office and going up to you know to listen to it over the phone at night is actually really pretty cool. Like when it when it's there, it's it, it is worthwhile. A um, couple of other black eyes the radio had is it was supposed to have all these advanced analysis features for helping you find. Um, you know, find these, you know, different systems and things to listen, but those weren't even activated for a year plus actually, yeah, at least a year and a half. And those were features that were all literally written on the box that weren't there when the radio shipped. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's a great radio. It, it's receiver is a lot better than the home patrol. Um, it's receiver is at least as good as, uh, the GRE easy scan, which became the Whistler WS 1080. Um, it's, if you want to program it through the front panel, like, uh, you know, the other ones you can, but, uh, overall, man, Uniden just drops so many balls. 
Yeah, it sure seemed like it. I mean, it caused all kinds of uh, angst on uh, some of the online forums. And like I said, I was going to buy one and uh, ended up not doing it because of the issues that, that came up. I mean, I'm glad to hear they've, they've worked most of those out. But that that and one other feature uh, that I'll, I'll mention is why I went with the, the Whistler scanner that I, that I have. And that, that other feature was the remote head. Um, it's the only one out there um, that, I, that I know of. Well, I take that back. There is a unit in that you can remote head, right? But you have to buy a separate bracket and all, some different mounting hardware. But the, the Whistler 1098s and 1095s have all that hardware included. And it was a remotable head. And I thought, hey, that's cool that will be so much easier to install in my truck so that and the issues that unit had unfortunately they lost me so <laughs> yeah and and the 536 comes in at the most expensive at about um street price about 570 to 590 oh yeah um but still same thing usb sd card etc but yeah, yeah. um uh, you know, we, we've kind of gone long on the digital radio, and I, I, I think it's okay because the average person who's really interested in hearing about what's going on is probably going to want a digital radio. And the yeah, right, the yeah. right way to approach this, if I were buying a scanner today, what, what's the first step? You know, the first step is to research what kind of systems are out there in your area, and by that I mean go to radioreference.com, go to your state, and then drill down to your county and maybe even drill down to your city, and it'll tell you right there, okay, this is a, it may say, for example, this is a, an 800 megahertz uh, APCO Project 25 Phase 2 system. Okay, cool. That's, that's the info you need. It's an APCO 25 Phase 2 system. Yes, that's what I want to hear. That's my local police. So then find the scanner models that will receive APCO 25 uh, phase two. Um, and then n- that'll narrow down your list greatly uh, because there is such a wide variety of hardware and what it will, will, what they will receive. That will narrow the list down for you greatly if you just know what you want to listen to. When people ask, I get asked this a lot about, well, how do I know what to buy? And I always say, don't just blindly buy something because there are so many variables. Make sure that you buy something that will pick up what you want to hear. Um, and so I think that's, that's step one. Um, and, and then, um, you know, from there, uh, their scanners are available all over the place on the internet. You're going to find the best deal on the internet, probably not at a, at a storefront. Um, they go on sale all the time. Um, you know, hey, there were a bunch of scanners on sale around Black Friday and and for Christmas, just like anything else. <laughs> you know, so there are prime times to to get some scanner sales. Um, and then um, you know, the, the other thing you need to think about when you do find the scanner that you want to purchase, or what other accessories might you want to include with that? Do you do you want the audio to be a little bit louder? then maybe you need an external speaker. Uh, make sure you purchase the software that will program that radio. Um, make sure that you buy the, the, uh, the cable that goes from the computer to the scanner to program that scanner. That's a key component. you got to get the cable. Um, some of them come with the cables. The Whistler scanners come with a cable. Um, I'm not sure about some of the others. I yeah, don't know the, if the, the unit ends come. The, the unit ends, at least the current generation, come with the USB cable, or yeah. you can pop the micro SD card out and plug it into your computer without True. even having to hook it up. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, from there, make sure you have a good antenna. You know, it, it, after all, you're you're trying to receive a radio signal without an antenna. You're not going to do it. Um, so they come. Most of them will come with a telescoping or some sort of maybe a rubber duck antenna uh, on them. But um, there's a whole variety of options uh, for antenna types as well. Um, you know, some of the ham radio operators will recognize the term discone. A discone antenna is a good wide band uh, receiving antenna. Um, it will it will pick up pretty much anything from 25 megahertz to 1.3 gigahertz. Um, but then you can you can also get antennas that are cut specifically for the frequencies that you want to listen to. Um, so hopefully that that was a long answer to your question. It's really not that complicated to buy a new scanner. I promise. No, and and your first point is go look on a radio reference, and here's a perfect example. If you live in Frankfort, Kentucky, which is the capital of Kentucky. Um, and you live in Franklin County and you want to hear Franklin County, you're not going to because their system is NXDN. And I only know of one radio on the market that can do NXDN, but it can't do trunked NXDN. And it's a receiver by a company called AOR. Um, but you're going to pay thousands of dollars for that radio. Uh, and it's still not even going to really be able to do what you want to do. So in, in, if you live in Franklin County and you want to hear fire and EMS or police operations, you're just out of luck. Yeah. Yep. That is that is true. That AOR uh radio um it got a lot of people excited when they announced it because it could do Moto Turbo. It could do some of that NXDN stuff. D Star um, Fusion. D Star, yeah. Uh, and, and everybody said, "Finally, finally." But then it came to market and it's really just a receiver. It's not even a a scanner per se. Um and it certainly won't do trunking capability. Uh, and some of the more sophisticated way to listen to these systems. So I think it's a start. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if you want to talk about this now or, or, or a little bit later, but there are some things that I can kind of see on the future for the scanning hobby that we ought to, we ought to talk about here in, in a few minutes. Well, go ahead. We're, uh, you know, we're in our fourth segment. And uh, it seems like any time that I'm involved in doing a show without kale, I run long. So I would love <laughs> to hear your thoughts on the future of the scanning hobby. Yeah, and I mean, and this, these are just my opinions, you know. But I, I and, and I'll try to keep it as short as possible. But I was happy to at least see that that AR radio did what it did, and, and that is to say that it opened the door to being able to receive some of these digital systems. Um, that are not available on any other radio on the market. And, and there are varying reasons why these systems are not available. Number one, sometimes just the protocol to decode the, the digital signal is, is, is just too hard to stuff into a small scanner uh, with everything else that it's got to do. Um, so sometimes it's a physical hardware limitation or a programming limitation um, that, you know, whereas they could probably make it fit and make it work, but the price would be so high that nobody would buy it. Um, the second thing is is licensing from the companies that own the patent on these digital systems. So, you know, Motorola has Moto Turbo. And, um, you know, I don't know the situation intimately, but I know that they, you know, they would want to charge a, a pretty penny for being able to have the, the uh, license to listen to that 
um, that protocol, uh, which again drives the price up and 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 makes the scanner out of reach for most most people. You mentioned that AOR receiver; it's what two thousand dollars, maybe more than that. Some crazy, but I think that the future has been maybe the door has been cracked open a little bit thanks to that AOR scanner. I think over time we'll see. Um, the ability to decode these digital, uh, some of these digital systems come to play at a reasonable cost. Um, but I, I think to get there, we as scanner listeners need to make sure that the manufacturers know that there is a market out there for it. So, you know, talk to your, your scanner dealers and tell them you want a radio that can get Moto Turbo and some of those other digital systems. You know, email Uniden and Whistler and some of the others and tell them that you want a radio that can do it so that they know that there's a, a need for it and that people are willing to pay for it. I think it's still a few years off uh, for all the reasons I just mentioned, but I think that we'll, we'll get there, especially as some of the newness wears off on some of these systems that have just, just been coming on the air. Because right now, that's a major, sale, uh, major selling point for these manufacturers. They can say, look, there is not a scanner on the market that can pick this up. So you're going to be safe and secure in knowing that the public won't hear your transmissions. That's a selling point right now. In a few years when the newness wears off and they, they need to upgrade, well, then I think that's prime time for scanner manufacturers to come in and say, hey, I think it's time that we, we make, this, make this available. Absolutely. And when I start my scanner company, which I just decided I will call Babelfish. Ooh, um, I like it. I like it. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, on the amateur side, like this year at Dayton, we might actually finally see this the Connect Systems radio that does talk DMR and D-Star and Fusion. Um, so we might actually start to see some of that convergence um, in the yeah. long run. But that's uh, that's. Uh, thank you very much for your forward-looking opinion. To kind of close us out, because we have covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we have. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. That's what our listeners are looking for. Um, and, you know, the, the, our entire goal is to take complex uh, topics and make them accessible for everybody. Because uh, what I've learned, what you've learned has all been through our experience. And if, you know, it, it's it's been clear in talking to you that you like sharing that experience to help other people. And that's what we're here for. That's right. That's right. So let's leave the show with uh, some fun. Okay. What are what is the most interesting thing you have heard on your radio? Oh, good question. Because yeah, when when you have a scanner, you can hear some very interesting things. You know, I have heard everything from uh, you know crazy uh, fist fights in the middle of the street to. Um, action-packed uh, car chases, you know, blow by blow being described on the radio as the, as the cops were chasing folks. Um, and I've also heard um, aircraft with emergencies uh, describing, you know, sometimes in chilling detail what is wrong and, and giving how many souls are on board. I mean, that makes just, that'll make the hair stand up on the back of your neck when you hear that. So you can hear a lot of interesting things, but I, I'm from Little Rock and um I was uh, growing up in Little Rock when Bill Clinton was uh, elected president. And so he was coming back home a lot to Arkansas. So it was very common for um, him to come into town on Air Force One 
and then of course drive around town in his motorcade and I could hear all of that on my scanner. I could hear Air Force One. I could hear the motorcade as it was driving around. But the probably the coolest things I've ever heard was a phone call from Air Force One. Um, this was back in the day when they had a nationwide VHF and UHF phone patch system, uh, which means that they could use their radios to make phone calls. And um, I heard some phone calls from Air Force One. I don't remember the context of what was said, but I thought it was the coolest thing. You know, I, I knew what frequency to listen to, and so I had it on that frequency. And sure enough, up comes a dial tone and, and DTMF tones as someone was dialing. And, uh, oh, I think if, if I recall, they were calling somebody at the White House. I'm pretty sure it was. So someone on board Air Force One in the air calling someone back at the White House arranging, arranging who knows what. I think that was the coolest thing I've ever heard. That's and that pretty was, cool. That was back in the the mid nineties, I guess. Yeah. So, and and I was just lucky to be in the right place at the right time with a lot of radioactivity. Um, back then, at the time when Clinton was coming back to Little Rock so often, the Secret Service actually set up a radio, uh, a series of radio repeaters around Central Arkansas to make sure that they had full blanket coverage for their radios because he was coming back to town uh, so often. Well, that is interesting. My um, my most interesting thing is probably not as uplifting or benign. Um, it was actually a little scary. The um, my wife used to take the metro, which was only about a quarter mile away from where we lived, and um, oftentimes I would go sit in the parking lot waiting to pick her up. I would get there early, and I'd let you know I'd have my uh, dual band VHF UHF ham radio going, and I'd have the scanner going and just listening. And uh, I caught the a hostage situation at the hotel across the street from our apartment complex. Whoa! Yeah, and there was um there were some details about it that are not at all appropriate for a family show, as far as some weird things that had happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but I caught all the gory details of it and all the way through to them catching the guy who ultimately fled the hotel. Um, but that was pretty interesting. That, that, that was a day the scanner paid for itself. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, Kevin, I, I can't thank you enough for, for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know it took us a couple of weeks to come together, but it was definitely worth the wait from my perspective. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate what you guys are doing, and I, I especially like the fact that you're trying to just spread the word about these technical things in simple terms to all the masses. And and like you said, I firmly believe that um, you know the the we we as a community we can make the hobby better. We can share information and um, and bring new people into the hobby as well. Um, so I, I appreciate what you're doing. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, likewise. Now I'm going to ask you to leave us with. It's 5.30 on a Thursday night. You're at Golden Corral. What goes on your first plate? Oh, I'm going to have to say some catfish uh, for sure. I want some mashed potatoes and white gravy, not brown. Uh, let's throw a couple of hush puppies on there and some green beans and, uh, and a roll with some uh, honey butter, please, and thank you. Outstanding. <laughs> I would. I personally go for the uh, – the, the, I make a volcano – of mashed potatoes and set inside of it two slices of meatloaf covered in green beans and the brown gravy. Wow, that is uh, that's incredible, man! Congratulations, <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. 
Folks, we've been talking to Kevin Thornton, Kilo 5, Kilo Victor November, uh, a member of the Noise Blankers online. Kevin, if uh, folks wanted to learn more about the Noise Blankers, where would they do that? Yeah, go to noiseblankers.com. That's the, the name of our, uh, our group, the Noise Blankers uh, radio group. And uh, hey, hit me up on Twitter, too. Uh, it's just my call sign at K5KVN on Twitter. All right. Thank you so much for your time this evening. We'll, uh, we'll have to bring you back for some more topics in the future. Would love to. Thank you very much. Yeah, so we're going to wrap up number 47. Thank you. Thank you both, Jeremy and Kevin. Appreciate you being on the program. Nice to have you back, Kevin. And, of course, I'm sure we'll want you guys back in again. If, you, if you're not familiar, go back and check out the, uh, the show we did about ham radio satire. You'll love the Noise Blanker guys. A lot of fun there. As I was producing this program, putting it all together, post-producing it, we call it, uh, I, I got a notification. Kilo Fox for November Oscar Delta is following us on Spreaker. Hey, man, thank you. Appreciate you being there. Got an email the other day. Had a conversation back and forth with Mike Thurman from North Carolina. Jacob Lee, uh, Kilo Echo Zero Golf Yankee Charlie. We, we love communicating with our listeners. Uh, guys, if you have some questions, comments, please don't hesitate to either post them on the show notes page as a comment. You can leave a review for the program. You can email us there. You can follow us and comment and tweet back and forth with us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, we we want to hear from you. We're excited to hear from you. Whiskey Zero Lima Eka Papa Jeremy Runner, Pastor Mike from up in Ohio, Kilo Delta 8, Sierra Romeo Fox, Whiskey Zero, Charlie Bravo Fox, Kilo 2, Mike India Kilo. Uh, We have, uh, I could spend 30 minutes thanking everybody for following us this last week or two. I don't have that much time, but I just want to say thank you, and, and we want to participate. If, if something's going on, you want to, you got a question, you got a show idea, you want to be on the show, think you might have something to offer the audience, let us know, man. We'd love to hear from you. You can find it all on the website, photimepodcast.com. Again, thank you to Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you to Kevin for coming on. Glad those guys could get it together. I think you really enjoyed the program and uh, definitely dug a lot of deep rabbit holes and went down and found the answers in them. Appreciate you guys. God bless every one of you. Hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you again for spending your time with us here on the Photon Podcast. And we'll be back in two weeks to do episode number 48 as we rapidly approach number 50. So keep your ears on regarding that. Catch you next time. 73, y'all. Thanks for listening, downloading, and subscribing to Photime, the other ham radio podcast, presented by mtcradio.com. To subscribe, comment, share, or review, visit our show site at photimepodcast.com. Till next time, 73, y'all.